Welcome to Taking Back Birth, a podcast for women who know the truth about birth and those who want to explore the path of radical birth love. I'm your host, Marin Green. Taking Back Birth celebrates the power you have to make decisions in alignment with your own truth. Decisions not subject to anyone else's authority. Decisions that create experiences that will change your life. Taking Back Birth is a production of the Indie Birth Private Contract Association and IndieBirth.org. No material on this podcast should be considered medical advice. Birth is not a medical event. Hello and welcome to Podcast Sunday. I am in my room, of course, here uh, without an office and just a few weeks away from leaving on our big Hawaii trip. I could probably do a podcast all about that. I don't know how interesting that would really be to anybody, but there's a lot to figure out, of course, and we're pretty good on the Hawaii end. So we have a great house to be in, lovely landlords there. My daughter Amelia is there. Uh, Everything on that end is pretty subtle, but we have to get there. And we have to still tie up a couple of loose ends here. If you've been following my dog saga at all, I post occasionally about it on Instagram on my Magical Mama org account. Uh, It was up in the air for a while just what my dog, Henna, was going to do. And the reason behind that, oh, she's just a higher maintenance dog and... I didn't want the people that are living here to have to deal with her for an extended period of time. Uh, Not because she's bad or anything. She just has a lot of little quirks. And sometimes that feels like a lot. So I was attempting to spare people and maybe find a really nice place for her to be. But that did not work out. Or I should say it did work out in general. The bigger picture worked out. But it did not work out for her to go to someone else, which I realize I'm deeply happy about. Any of you animal nuts out there, um, any of you witchy people, Henna is totally my familiar. She is my sidekick. She's been my dog for her whole life, her whole five years. And the more I settled into the frustration I was feeling, around not getting this worked out in the way my brain said it should get worked out, I realized I wanted to bring her. I wanted to have her with us, uh, that I didn't want to leave her behind. And that is exactly what's happening. So Henna and I are always on the same page, I'm sure, since she is my familiar. And my sense now is She's just stubborn. And I mean, who does that sound like in some ways? She's just stubborn. And it was maybe hard for her to understand in the way dogs view reality, that if she wanted to go, she needed to do these hard things. And she was resisting that. So I took that as a she doesn't want to go sign. Whereas I think she really does want to go, but she was just trying to see if Maybe she could get out of all the rigmarole around bringing a dog to Hawaii. But that is not possible. Uh, The rigmarole being left behind, that is. So she's going through the process, which involves lots of vet visits, which she is not fond of at all. 
Uh, but it will happen. It will happen. And we will be in Hawaii for a whole month before I send for her, so to speak. Uh, that's kind of a, a little joke between Hannah and I because I know that she'll be okay here for the time being. Um, but to send for her was kind of uh, her words, not mine. So my dog will be coming with us. And that's really good news, I think, for everyone. And for her, ultimately, even though uh, I I don't love the idea of her being under a plane for the time it takes to get there, but these are the choices we have made. Uh, this is the best we can do. And I think ultimately it's the right choice. Um, on another dog note, we have Tulip, who's our 10-year-old mini Aussie. She's so beautiful. If you've seen photos of her, she's got big blue eyes and she's white and gray. She's just a gorgeous animal. She's my son's dog and my son should be taking her, uh, but he has had trouble, like people in many places nowadays, um, finding a place to live that allows a dog, not to mention a bigger dog. So we don't really have a solid plan for poor Miss Tulip. Um, the only problem being she can't really be here with Henna for that month. This sounds like a dog soap opera, I realize, but uh, you can skip over it if you'd like. So those two can't be together without like very supervised, experienced um, people around. So Tulip needs somewhere to go for a month while Henna remains here. And then once Henna leaves, Tulip is welcome back home where I'm sure she will be fine and, you know, live a great life till we get back. So anybody out there that wants to borrow a really beautiful mini Aussie that maybe lives in my area or around, let me know. Um, she's a really great dog and uh, she's good with other dogs. You know, there's a lot more to say, but that's what I'm manifesting is just a safe, safe place, a safe, loving place for Tulip to be for the month that Hannah is here and then she may come back home. So that's the straggling remains here of things that need to be done. Of course, cars still need to be shipped and other things like that. <sighs> but I just keep trying to slow down. Trying to slow down and remember that life is precious here. And life is precious anywhere. And the memories we have here that we are creating actively every day are just as important and beautiful as the memories we will create. To have my oldest son still here with us um, might make me cry. So just trying to, you know, really see our family in the most beautiful way right now, because it is, it's so beautiful to see them all together. And that's going to shift. And other things are obviously going to shift uh, the house we're in, um, the land we're on, and that isn't good or bad, but change brings what it brings. And even though this is something we want, and certainly we planned, and you know, nobody is telling us to do, um, there's full awareness of that. At the same time, that there's always grief in a sense, I think, and maybe it's my cancer nature speaking, um, just grief, you know, to be switching things up and to have things change. And to just have that deep knowing, uh, that deep wisdom that we all carry, that nothing lasts forever, right? Like nothing, nothing lasts forever. So just navigating every day as presently as I can. And it's so easy to get in my head about it. But yet I've been through this so many times in my life. 
um, moving or half moving or whatever we're doing here, um, it happens. It happens, right? So even with all the stress around moving, is there anything to be stressed about in reality? And I think in reality, there isn't because it's happening. And if we forget something, that's okay. Uh, As long as we have the people with us, all the kids that are coming and we arrive safely and henna arrives after us, that's what we need. We only have each other. We only need each other. So I'm saying that uh, in the event it's helpful, but also just to share that it is a real thing to have stress around these times. But I am doing my best to not accept that, not accept stress as my belief system. It doesn't have to be stressful just because there are things to do. So um, also this week, my magical mama circle is beginning. And I truly am so excited. I hadn't had a chance to really feel the excitement because launch. (laughs) Launching something is always big. Um, You know, so much work gets put into a launch. And my husband has been working just as hard in helping me with my website and setting up the tech end. So we've both been kind of consumed, honestly, by this Magical Mama Circle project. And the truth is, you never know. When you launch something, when you offer something to the world, you just never know. Some of my best ideas have just fallen flat, to be totally honest. And, you know, some of the ideas I didn't really think were that great did awesome out in the world. So you never know. (laughs) Uh, However, this circle is shaping up to be amazing with women that I mostly know. I think there are a handful I don't. Um, But I can tell already by the introductions they're posting in this group that they are fantastic. They are ready. They are willing. They are called to this experience, not just with me, but with their themselves. Uh, so, you know, it's not unlike the work I've done in the birth world. And this really isn't about a group in a sense, uh, just like birth isn't about anyone but the woman birthing. And this circle I'm seeing as a birth of sorts for many of these women, I'm imagining that that is true, that there will be transformation over the course of this year. And again, I'm not facilitating the transformation, they will be because this is their life and their body and their reality they're creating. But I'm so happy to hold space for that. And to kind of, you know, be the high priestess, so to speak, when it comes to bringing women together and creating a circle and offering ritual or ceremony. So I think I'm in the right place. And I know that these women that are going to be with me are definitely in the right place at the right time. And the circle is still open. So this isn't for everyone. Uh, This is for, I think, just really, really select women that are ready for this. And if you're not ready now, as I've said many times before, then you might be ready at some other point. And that's at this moment, um, totally fine. You know, someone asked me today, am I going to cap the circle? You know, is there a certain amount? And I don't know. I mean, I'm just not there yet. Like we're not looking at hundreds of women by any stretch right now. And so it still feels intimate and comfortable. Um, If this should become something later in time that has hundreds of women, well, that's great. I'll deal with that then. So 
At the moment, there's still plenty of space while keeping it intimate. And the early bird special, the lower pricing, goes through July 11th, which is just uh, three days from now, two days from now. So um, on that note, you can check out magicalmama.org forward slash circle and see what you think. Uh, One question I've gotten, and I shared this already, I think this week on Instagram, but I've gotten it a couple times. Women just asking me like, hey, do you think this is for me? And I find that so ironic. I have no idea if it's for you. If you hear what I'm saying, if you feel the vibe coming out of this circle, um, you will know, I think. And if you really have to think about it, maybe it's not the time. However, um, if you really have to think about it for other reasons that I've shared this week and newsletters and beyond, like you're not worth it. Um, oh, that's too expensive. I can't possibly spend that on my own self. Um, if thoughts like that are coming up, you know, perhaps sit with them. Perhaps sit with that feeling of whatever that is and just see what message is behind that. Because I do think there is kind of like a trauma response uh, for a lot of women, a lot of mothers out there when they're met with an opportunity like this. So by that, I mean, it's easy to say, oh, my intuition says no, now is not the time. And if that's really true for you, totally honor that. And I honor it in, in any case. But I've noticed working with women over the years that sometimes that's not intuition speaking. That's actually fear. Or again, this, um, I'm not worth it. Like, I'm not going to pursue that. So now must not be the time. And they kind of cut themselves off. Anyway, I'm not going to ramble on and on about that. Um, You'll know what you need to do or not. And I'll see you in the circle if that's for you. Okay, so I'm on briefly, at least, to a birthy kind of topic today. I did promise to keep doing podcasts, even though I'm not in the actual birth space right now. And I'm not in Hawaii yet. And I wasn't sure. I never am sure what will present during the week. I really try to avoid scraping my mind for podcast topics. Um, once in a while that's worked out, you know, where I'm like, huh, what could I talk about? But usually when I say that something will come in. And so this week it was a topic, uh, an issue that has come up many times and I've never spoken openly about. And now I am because I have the time to do that. And I think it's necessary for all of us in our own evolution and the evolution of this planet to speak honestly about these issues that have started to poison women and people. Okay, so I'll get right to it. And you can certainly go check out the post on Instagram, uh, Indie Birth account, of course. Sam, our beautiful social media lady and friend, uh, posted a time-lapsed videos that, video this week of a closing the bones ceremony. This is not the first time we've done one. This is not the first time we've made a time lapse and posted it. Uh, But they're really sweet, I think. And there's something about the time lapse and the really gorgeous music that Sam always chooses that makes these tiny little reels so special and so poignant. Um, So Sam, Angelia and I have done a handful of closing the bones ceremonies for the women that we have served. In fact, we have yet another one coming up here before I leave Kentucky. 
And hmm, how much to say about the history of this? Well, um, I was taught and I'm purposely not going to tell you who taught me because you'll hear more about why later. Um, but I was taught this ceremony um, by by women. And I was also gifted and given this ceremony uh, before I left Sedona by a dear friend at the time. And so I have experienced both sides. I've experienced the receiving of such a beautiful beautiful ceremony and the learning of it and whatever you know whatever version kind of comes out in a sense when I'm the one offering this to women um is a version of me so to speak like it doesn't dishonor where it's come from but no one no one can be me just like no one can be you and you know we're sitting with women that we know uh, and we have worked with in a certain way um, so to give you an example, before we do the closing with the rebozos, um, you know, the actual closing of the bones, which is what the reel is of, we usually sit in circle, uh, eat chocolate perhaps, and just listen. Often I'll bring a deck of cards and we'll utilize the cards in our conversation or support of this woman. And we did in the reel that you can watch. Uh, that isn't recorded, but that was part of this ceremony. So, you know, was that something that I was told to do? Um, was that something in like the book of closing of the bone ceremony that is taught? Hell no, I don't think so. Um, and if it was great, and if it wasn't great, but that's what I bring to it, because I'm a, you know, sovereign being that has that freedom to create and it's all in service, of course, of these women. So um, just giving an example, that's part of how this practice is unique in my little world. And, you know, no one, I'm not claiming it to be anything else. So the closing of the bones, if you don't know, is a very beautiful uh, practice across many cultures and probably many time periods. Um, with the understanding and the goal of facilitating an energetic and physical closing of the space where the baby grew and was birthed from. So our womb, as well as many other energy points along our bodies. And again, regardless of culture, uh, many cultures had these same beliefs that after birth, a woman was left open so energetically open, right? Like imagine this baby, this placenta, it took up space and now it's gone. And this woman is kind of like got this hole in a way. Uh, and this is why we keep her warm after birth. This is why we recommend warming foods. This is why we recommend only doing baths and utilizing vaginal steaming. This is why we recommend rest. So these are not um, specific to a place in the world. Um, these are universal truths to being a woman and to being supported in that time after birth, even if I'm sure different cultures, different places maybe phrased it a different way or, you know, the food that was offered definitely differed. Um, with ingredients available, right, from place to place. But the warming aspect, this closing aspect, 
is and was similar for the reasons described. I can attest as a, you know, someone that has been pregnant and then received the ceremony after birth that it was truly healing for me. It was grounding. It was nourishing. And it really allowed me to close the story of the birth as well. So again, it's not just a physical closing. It's maybe not even just energetic, but there's something about next steps. And I know for me, when I offer this closing for women, I always leave it open because again, this isn't my ceremony. This is universal and it's unique for each woman. So I leave it open and I explain the ceremony. I say, you know, many cultures, the Mexican culture, um, you know, many cultures utilize this ceremony. It is done differently, I'm sure, all over the world. This version we're offering you today is the version that we've come up with for our clientele here, you know, in Kentucky, um, which is different, of course, just like it is everywhere. And I leave the option open for the woman to determine what the ceremony is for. So I ask her if she has an intention, she has time to think about that. And I offer some ideas. Uh, One idea is that the closing is an end. It's an end to the pregnancy and birth experience. And, you know, here's where it can differ again. Um, Is it an invitation into the new? Who knows? That's up to her. So you can kind of have a finality, which feels good. You can have a beginning, opening yourself into this, you know, next phase of life. Um, It can be a combo. It can be neither. This is her ceremony. I don't dictate exactly what it is for past what I know uh, in my own body, it was, it was uh, good for, for myself. But again, um, the intention is left open. So many women, when we sit with them, they do have a clarity around this. They are ready for the next phase of life. Um, This last woman that we gifted the ceremony to was about to move with this little baby. So it was very important to her to have the ceremony done before and to kind of feel that in her body to feel like this part of my life is done now. Uh, We are moving and I am ready for the next. So that is how I work it. And I think that it has worked really well and has been very well received. And I've never had anybody that wanted one not love and appreciate it. And of course, not everybody wants one. That's kind of another topic. And that's also fine. Uh, There is no requirement that this be done, but if someone would like one, then we are happy to do them. So anyway, all's to say that as usual, this has come up before, there is always someone or some ones that feel the need to tell me and tell many of us out there who we are allowed to serve and how we are allowed to serve them. And if you need me to be more specific, I will. Um, There was all, you know, a couple comments around, uh, well, who are the indigenous people you learn this from? And um, where did you learn this? And who told you? And how do you have the ability to do this? And it was all a little passive aggressive, which is a characteristic usually of these kind of comments. Uh, So I just openly asked in a comment, I said, so the problem is, we look white to you. And you're bothered that we would serve a woman in this way with a postpartum practice 
that no one owns. Uh, this is for women all over the world and has been used by women all over the world. So I did call these people out and, you know, over the course of several comments, um, became clear they didn't actually know anything about me or my students or the woman uh, we were serving um, to assume by someone's, you know, outward skin color, I think is very arrogant. And I don't even know the truth. I didn't grill my students or this woman we were serving about her background and what cultures and all of her ancestry um, to be allowed to gift this to her or to, you know, uh, give her kind of like this um, check mark to make her worthy of receiving it. That's absolutely ridiculous. So it made me remember uh, a blog post I had read a couple of years ago, I believe, by the amazing Rochelle Garcia Saliga. So you can Google that. Um, it's called, let me see what it's called. I had it up here somewhere. Um, well, of course, now I'm not seeing it. But it's a blog post she did on her innate tradition site. So just Google it. And it's called something about closing of the bones. So it's all about the ceremony from her perspective. And it also includes, you know, some of this other um, issue, which I'm addressing today. But I really appreciated her article then. And I really appreciate it now. And so in response, I posted this and I said, you know, go take a look at someone else's opinion. And so to, you know, not sum up the article, because you should totally go read it, but to kind of draw out the main points for myself and this today, um, these are practices, of course, the closing of the bones, for example, that, uh, you know, are not unique to one culture, that many cultures around the globe practice them. So the end, according to that. Um, also, I like how Rochelle talks about a collective amnesia and, you know, the patriarchy and colonization and how basically we've come to a place in time where we all have forgotten where we came from and what was important. And we are, in her words, um, you know, living a death program. And I do want to give her credit for, you know, all of these amazing quotes, but I feel exactly the same. I think most humans are running on the death program. I mean, look at our world, you know, look at how people treat their bodies. Look at how people treat their children. Look at how people treat the land like death is the program. And uh, again, in her words, you know, something like this death program, um, you know, is full of arrogance, belittlement and divisiveness. And that's really the goal. If you're part of this collective amnesia, you've forgotten who you are. And I'm not going to go into, you know, transgender stuff today. But like, it also uh, includes that issue of women being forgotten. We're just going to forget what we knew. We're going to forget our, uh, you know, our beauty and the ways that we bring love to the world. We're going to forget that in favor, again, of this arrogance, belittlement, and divisiveness. And that's exactly what these comments represent to me. Um, not being allowed by someone else does not fit my life or my belief systems. So that is the biggest clue to me that someone is really off base with their own true nature, 
uh, of life and wanting to make this a better place. <laughs> because to tell me I'm not allowed, um, you can bet all of my alarm bells are going to go off. Um, nobody is allowed to tell me what I'm allowed to do, especially when not only am I not harming anyone, but I am gifting uh, love and support to other women. So that is the biggest tip off when people leave comments like this, that they actually are a tool of the patriarchy. Um, they think they are supposed to police other people. And ultimately, they are part of what is the downfall of this civilization. Um, ultimately, I don't think that will be the case. I don't think ultimately we'll, we'll meet our downfall, at least in my reality. Um, but the downfall of our present civilization, which is this matrix, uh, this idea that we control others, and that, um, you know, we have to allow people to do what we think they should do, or shouldn't do. Which brings me to another, uh, you know, red flag, so to speak. When I see these kind of comments everywhere, but you know, on my own page, I'm surely going to address them as I did. Uh, this idea of should, you should learn it this way. You should do it that way. Um, I don't think that's reality. And anybody out there that's been, um, that's worked in the work of Byron Katie, which I'm a huge fan of lately, uh, even if you don't know her work, you know, something that really sticks out when you do even just vaguely peruse her work is this word should. Uh, she asks people all of the time when they say things like that, um, you should or she should, right? It's never about us. I mean, occasionally we have a I should. But more importantly, in this world, it's like they should or she should. And Byron Katie would say, um, is that true? So she should only learn this from an indigenous person. Is that true? And you know, if you're really in your ego, you're just going to stick to that. And you're going to say, yes, that's true. That's absolutely true. That's the way the world should work. That's the only acceptable way this is allowed. Um, but if you can get out of your ego, and you can get quiet, most of the times these shoulds are what create our own misery. So when people leave comments like that, um, I think it does obviously deserve this response today that I'm giving, but it doesn't deserve my emotional energy and I'm not upset about it. Um, I'm not putting the same like victim passion into it that this, you know, this other side, so to speak, is. Um, and that's fine. People are allowed to do whatever they want. They can create their own misery and suffering all day. It doesn't bother me at all. But to argue with reality is really fascinating. So should a person have to do it this way? I think um, the, the deeper answer is no, nobody should do anything. And you know, sometimes I'm on the other side of that. Uh, I don't know, like, there's a dog running around without a leash, that person should put their dog on a leash. Well, that's nice that I think that. But the reality is, the dog's running around without a leash. And it's not my dog and it's not my business. So, uh, you know, is it true that that dog should be on a leash? And the answer is no, that is that is not in reality true. And it's the same with this. 
So I loved Rochelle's quote here. Um, no person has the authority to decide what is allowed care to another human being. And I couldn't have said it better. So um, I'll drop that little piece of it for now. Although, uh, yeah, to sum it up, I think it's incredibly arrogant to think you know how anyone should do anything. And I think this idea that any one culture owns anything um, is largely false. I'm sure there are exceptions somewhere along the line because uh, nothing is 100%. But it made me think of a really funny example. I thought it was funny. And I'm sure you could find your own in your life. But I'm Italian. And I'm 50% Italian, meaning my dad is 100%. And my grandma's, you know, my grandma and grandpa, obviously, were 100%. And my great grandma came over here on the boat uh, to Ellis Island. So, you know, I'm not the most Italian person out there. But it's not a competition. I have Italian blood in my body. And I really love Italian food. Um, I have learned here and there from relatives how to cook authentic Italian food to the best of my ability. And of course, you know, differing, I'm sure, from regions of Italy uh, that, you know, it's all different uh, to a certain extent. But I just thought it was pretty humorous in comparison to this closing of the bones issue that I would go around policing people and telling them, hey, you can't cook pasta that way. That's not how you cook pasta. And oh my God, don't call pasta noodles. You know, there is nothing worse. There is nothing more disrespectful. And I'm going to take it super personally if you call pasta noodles, because that is not respectful of the Italian culture. And I could take it farther. Just keep laughing here. Um, Domino's pizza. I mean, that's like an abomination to anything Italian. That is the opposite of authentic, right? But am I driving around like uh, rallying against Domino's pizzas? Am I poking holes in the tires of the drivers? Um, No, that's ridiculous. It's not my business. And it is not my business to say what is authentic, really, because I only have my experience. And if someone wants to, you know, present their friend with a Domino's pizza, that's just not my business. And why would I care at all? Why would I care? And why would I force my beliefs on anybody and be so dominating and so arrogant to think I knew anything about what they learned? Imagine my surprise if I did that. And it turned out that that person was from Italy. Oh my gosh, my whole world would come crashing down, right? Because I made assumptions. I made assumptions about someone's background or their skin color, um, having no idea what their motive was in ordering that pizza, or again, where they learned how to make a certain pasta dish. So um, laugh or not, but I don't think it's too far off. Uh, Who cares? It just doesn't matter to me. Um, No one's being hurt and people are happy giving what they give. So not my business. Another thing that came to mind was, again, this idea of allowing kind of puts people on their own little pedestals, which I'm not shocking anyone here. We love to do in this world, whether it's politics or whatever. Um, I know better than you and I'm better than you because I believe this thing. So If it's a perceived lack of integrity, so that's kind of the vibe, right? Where did you learn this? You don't have permission to do this. You're not a good person. 
is kind of what it's, uh, you know, being, um, you know, kind of the feeling behind it. But again, that's not my business. If someone feels I'm not in my integrity, that's not on me. I'm doing my best here. And I will be the judge of my own integrity. I don't need that policing system, nor do I rely on it or take it seriously. And, you know, to bring it back to birth work, it certainly happens. I've been there as well. Uh, There are lots of people out there calling themselves midwives. Do I think that's a great idea? No. Is it my business? Also, no. Um, Am I in my integrity if I'm trying to sort out someone else's integrity? No, I don't have to love it. I don't have to like it. I don't have to recommend people that I feel are not in their integrity because they're not midwives. Um, But I also don't make it my business. So I don't think I will shift on that. Uh, There have been many times it's crossed my mind to write a post about, you know, not being a midwife and blah, blah, blah. And it just always comes across, even to myself, as too arrogant, because I really just don't know. And people should just do what they do. Um, Again, I don't have to love it. If I'm asked directly to speak about that, you know, we've had students over the years who decided to go that route. And as a student of our school, uh, I have certainly spoken my truth about what I think integrity is. But at the end of the day, I don't control what anyone else does. And I don't control. And it's not it doesn't change. It doesn't change anything. It doesn't change whether they actually are in their integrity or not. So um, ultimately, in this like sort of silly thread, but not silly, I ended up just saying to someone, um, how do you know the culture isn't mine? You're doing a lot of assuming without knowing anything about me or what I know or where I learned it or who my ancestors are. Why don't you put that same dedication into practicing something beautiful that serves other women instead of using your time to interrogate as if you are my or anyone's authority? And I felt pretty good about that. Um, I didn't feel, you know, incredibly angry, like I was going to rip someone's head off. It just kind of led me to the point of I must speak up enough of this, enough of this like political correctness that isn't. Uh, Because it's not serving humanity. All it is is dividing people, making them uh, hate each other more, and causing this rift in between, like, that's yours and this is mine. And in the context of this, this closing of the bones, uh, I just don't agree. And I don't agree kind of overall, but this was the best place to voice that. So I don't think it's anyone's business where I learned what I learned, and I'm not causing any disrespect Um, I'm openly sharing that this is kind of a hybrid in the way that I offer this service. And I'm grateful, of course, to my ancestors and all the ancestors of all cultures that have come before me that have made my life and my learning possible. And, And of course, we all come out of one another. It's absolutely ridiculous to think we all are standing alone and that anyone owns any of these things. Uh, We don't do that here in my world. Um, We don't own any of the things. So it is also not my job to educate people. So some of the other aggressive comments, as I shared, were, you know, where did you learn this? Uh, How did you learn this? Nope, Um, not my job to educate you about any of it. You can do that on your own. And if your purpose is to intimidate me, 
well, you have failed because I am not intimidated at all. And I won't just remain quiet anymore about this bullying that goes on. And amongst women, it's some of the worst. It really, really, truly is that we have, uh, you know, allowed the patriarchy to infiltrate so badly that we are allowing and not allowing each other to do certain things. It's absolutely disgusting, actually. And again, I will not keep quiet. Another point I thought about is just like this bigger picture uh, that I hold as my reality of our lifetimes. So if that's true, it is true for me and my belief system. Um, yes, I am from Italian ancestry, but truly, come on, who knows? We are all children of this planet uh, and maybe other planets and other realities and other dimensions. So it would be really close minded of me to, again, own this Italian thing as if I'm not also whatever, uh, Indian or African or who knows what in other lifetimes, not to mention in my blood. And the same is for you. So why, uh, and, I, and my answer to myself would be that people are closed-minded in many ways. Um, why do people only want to own the one body they're in, <laughs> the one culture they're in? Um, and again, you know, by, by people in this matrix, that's, that's considered privilege. You're not allowed to say that. You're not allowed to say that if you're white in this life. Um, but I'm saying it because that's my truth. And I really, truly believe that I've had many embodiments, male, female, maybe again in other um, dimensions. I've been creatures. I have no idea, but I am not only going to claim this body as my truth. Um, claiming all of it also means that we all claim all of it. And for people that are like, well, these ancestors of those people were really harmful to mine true. There have been many times throughout history uh, that we think we know about where humans have hurt other humans. And I'm not denying that. I'm just saying, how can any of us know where we really came from? How can we not accept all of it? So makes me think of the whole like witch wound and being persecuted. Uh, many times I've said, you know, we are from the witches that were hung. Uh, maybe we were one of them. However, it has also crossed my mind that perhaps I am also from the ancestry of the people that hunted. Um, has that ever crossed anybody's mind, right? That we were on both sides of the fence in our collective history. Uh, we weren't just the hunted, but we were the hunters. So by that, we assume all responsibility in a sense for all of it, for our integrity now, for wounds we may have caused, for wounds we may have endured long ago. And that's just being a messy human in this life. Uh, to me, that is the big picture. We are not just one thing in one place. Um, we are everything. And, you know, many people out there with, I think, a high level of consciousness do speak to this, whether it's ancestral grief or whatever you want to call it, uh, that no one is immune, that we all hold all the memories of all of these things. Okay, well, I definitely want to end this on a positive note. Um, loving practices like closing of the bones should definitely be continued and will be by people like me. I will always honor my ancestors. I will always honor the women that came before me, but I will also respect myself and the women in front of me. 
I will help women heal and integrate through this ceremony as they ask me to <laughs> um, because they are women and that is not based on the color of their skin or where they came from, but because they are in my life and women I have served. So um, the last question I would just pose in the most positive light is how do any of us feel deeply in our bones in these bodies at this time about any of it? And if you deep in your body um, feel some kind of repelling against doing anything, whether it be a ceremony or a practice or a belief, then it is not for you and perhaps you shouldn't do it. On the flip side, if it's feeling in integrity, it's feeling resonant and right, um, that doesn't have anything to do with anyone else, really, if we're not harming anyone and we're showing up in the ways that we know to be a respectful human in general, um, then that's what we have to go on. So again, on the flip side, you know, if people are approaching this with arrogance and anger, and again, this belief that they know best, they know best for all people about things. Um, I don't know if that feels so great to them in their bodies. Um, my guess is, and it's just a guess, that that feels really activating. Having that kind of, um, you know, those kind of feelings, we've all felt them at various times. Having those feelings in our body definitely, for me, is not a settling, grounding feeling. And I think there's wisdom there. And again, uh, if we consider it to be a collective amnesia, as Rochelle says, then it makes sense that many of these women who are policing others aren't in touch. They aren't in touch with their own bodies. They aren't in touch with what's true for them. They've just taken the program. They've taken the program that the Matrix has set and the Matrix has told us that only these people can do those things and we own that and they own this and divide, divide, divide. And that is their life. So for me, that is not what I'm choosing. If you've made it through this podcast, you're either horrified or that is also not what you're choosing. But I ask you, who do you want to be? What world do you want to live in? And I know for me, those answers are clear and full of love. So thanks for listening to my um, semi rant about the closing of the bones. But I'd love to see you in the mama circle, especially if a rant like this resonates with you. And hopefully uh, many of you will be there this week. All right, everybody, have a beautiful week.